the Hacking Your Health podcast with Ben Kenny and Dave Kennedy. Two guys heading out to hack body, mind, business, and beyond. We are here to provide a single source, bullshit-free guide to understanding your body and how you can live better for longer. Yo, welcome back. Episode 12. Uh, we decided this week that we, every week we have questions from people. I'm like, right, we'll do it at the end. And then I'm like looking at the clock being like, oh shit, right, we're coming up to 60 minutes. Like we can't start a new question now because that's at least another 20 minute conversation that we'll just, we'll just go off on one. So this week we're going to do a full Q&A episode. Um, I have a list of questions. Dave has a list of questions and we're just going to get straight into it, I think. So I'm Ben Canning. I'm Dave Kennedy. And this is hacking your health. What's been going on this week? Uh, not much, man. Uh, I, I am milking a little bit of an injury at the moment. I uh, and it wasn't even the, the lifting. You know, we talked a little about this last podcast, but it wasn't even the lifting. You know, I was just basically picking up a twenty, thirty pound uh, pitching machine and uh, pulled my back, and it's just been like, really nagging on me. Um, so that's that's the that's the only thing that's really been bothering me. This I think this you week, need but, I think uh, you need a better story than that. It needs to be a bit more of an extreme story. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. hey, I man, I was, I was in the wilderness, uh, you know, like uh, fighting a bear. I had to see and a, I a family of bears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, a positive no, yeah, one like that at all? Yeah, a positive one that for me. Um, obviously, I had my bag a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, actually, training related, and it was frustrating me a bit because I couldn't train at full capacity. Um, but yesterday, I went through a session with my buddy Helmy. Um, and we were able to do an entire session that it didn't give my back any issues. And it was just having a bit of sort of forward thinking and knowledge of where the pain's coming from and what causes it to be sore. So I find it worse whenever I'm like overextending like this. And I find it worse if I'm like sat right down in the, the bottom of a squat. So I just try to avoid any movements like that. I used a lot of machines so that I was fully locked into it. And I put in a really, really good session still while having a semi-injury so i think that's a good point to note for you as well <laughs> and anybody else who thinks that you know if yeah. they injure themselves that they just can't train there are ways around pretty much everything it's just sort of having a bit of a an insight sort of change of plan kind of thing um but yeah that sort of i felt really good after it my legs are fucked today for, for want of a better for the better word <laughs> Well, I, I definitely didn't change my plan. I just powered through it with the injury, which probably isn't the best thing to do. Um, you know, my rationality was like, well, yes, it's hurt. But like, if I just kind of like do my normal lifts, I mean, I'm sure it'll like heal eventually, uh, which probably is the whole, most horrible thing you should probably do. Uh, so don't don't listen to my advice. But uh, no, so but uh, today's actually a rest day. And, and I um, I took off Orange Theory today just to um, give myself a little bit of a, a breather to, to recover a little bit. So it's um it hurts me, you know, that I'm not lifting today or I'm running today. But today's actually a suggested, suggested in air quotes, uh, rest day uh, in the Nipper program. So it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And we're coming up to the end of that. Yeah, this is uh, so this is week nine, I think. And then uh, week 10 is uh, really just kind of like a, a deload week and kind of testing your one rep maxes and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'll tell you, the um, I was doing bench yesterday. 
and um, I switched to the the Kabuki Cabard bar, which is the the curved bar that kind of goes like this, and it um, you know um, you're, you're kind of like a neutral grip going into it, and it's uh, it focuses more on your 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 chest and triceps versus your shoulders, so it locks your shoulders into place to where you can't really overpower the entire movement on your shoulders and more more isolation on your your chest, which is great. The issue with that though is you know if you're doing standard barbell, you can lift much heavier, you know, from a, a, a barbell bench press than you could with the Kabuki Cambridge bar. But what was really interesting is I, I slapped on those, um, uh, five sets of, um, uh, two, two reps. So five sets, two reps. And, uh, you know, the suggested weight was two Oh five. And, you know, of course that's the suggested weight. So I, um, I, I started getting up there and I was at like 245 and I'm like, man, this is, this is easy. Then I put on, you know, 265 and I'm like, I can still do this too. So then I did 285 and I'm like, okay, you know, and, and I stopped at 285, but I really do f- think I could have gotten to, to 305, which is really interesting because 305 was my max bench press on the barbell. And when I went to the Kabuki camera bar, um, it was 215 or sorry, it was 205 was my one rep max. So, you know, I went down 100 pounds, basically, and I shot up 100 pounds. So something's definitely working, and uh, my strength is definitely increasing pretty much in every capacity. I mean, deadlift, um, overhead press now, I would say, is probably at, at 215, 225. Um, you know, so definitely making some some pretty substantial progress on, on all those different areas, which is which is great. Yeah, some of the some of the ways, of, the way those bars are set up, I went through Chris's check-in on, on Monday there, and the bar i think it's the same one that you're talking about that he has the the way that it's set up and the way that it forces your arms shoulders and chest to be it's a much more i guess beneficial way to actually press to get the movement from your shoulder or not from your shoulder from your chest and it's like it just puts you in a much better position and yeah okay you maybe need to drop the weight at the start but i would rather drop the weight and get the connection through the muscle that you're actually trying to work rather than you know struggling through and trying to get you know just get your bench press up i don't like flat bench in any way shape or form um i just don't think it's very nice for anybody but the way those bars are set and the way that your palms face in shoulders and stuff like that it's nice yeah, yeah, I really enjoy it, and I, I won't go back to a normal barbell bench press to be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, but the, you know what we you mentioned, you know, kind of working around your injuries. One of the biggest things that I had problems with um, was uh, injuring my shoulders and my my lower back was my two main problematic areas. So, you know, the the Kabuki camera bar really saw that I haven't had any shoulder pain whatsoever since I, I moved to that. And then, you know, for my squats, uh, you know, I can still um, I usually use you know. Uh, pull, you know, block pull, um, deadlifts, which, you know, kind of keep me in a neutral spine position to reduce the burn off my back. Um, but also I got the, uh, the rogue rhino, which is a uh, squat machine that allows me to really focus and isolate, um, the quads just as you would from a, a, a you know, a squat. And, uh, that also has, has eliminated a lot of the pressure on my back. So, you know, trying to find the ways around your body and where your body's, you know, most sensitive on, obviously you want to continue to build your muscles around those, those problematic areas to increase strength. But, at the end of the day, it was, uh, you know, I've, I've luckily been able to, to not have any injury until I picked up a 20, 30 pound baseball pitching machine. So, so you, fought, so you um, fought the bear in the wilderness. So I fought the bear in the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to get yeah. started. Anything else to add? Or we get started in the questions. No, I thought uh, we got some good responses from, um, you know, the the podcast on, on TRT from uh, this last mm-hmm. week, and that was really yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of good discussions there from from folks that kind of went through their plan and their regimen, how TRT's kind of helped them or folks that were just looking at it. So that's that's also great to see. And again, all about optimizing your body and, and um, you know, what you can do to 
to live on this life longer, right? Live this life yeah, a and longer. I think the there's a lot of good conversation going on in the Discord um, about it as well. And I think, you know, even us talking about it has sort of prompted other people to share their experience. And, you know, although, as we sort of said, it's not something that's massively spoken about, I think that, you know, whenever one person in the group starts to speak about it, then people are willing to share their experience. And it's much better, even for somebody who's just thinking about it, that they can, you know, come to you or ask somebody else in the group, like what their actual experience was so they can get it firsthand rather than just going by, you know, either what we said or what they're saying on the internet and sort of give the pros and cons side of it as well. So it's been good to see sort of people come together to be able to help other people within the group. Yep. Yep. It's awesome. You know, any, any type of support community that you have, um, that's positive, that's, you know, you know, has your best interest at heart is always going to be something that, that, you know, hopefully makes you better and successful in, in those different areas. So, uh, it's good. It's good to see the community just grow and just all the awesome people that are in it. Um, just, just awesome. So, yeah, actually we skipped over it. a point. We did a, we did a live event on Saturday. That was our first sort of like taking the podcast on a virtual tour, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I had a good time with that as well. And, uh, you know, that was for, uh, for vets at con and, um, it was, uh, great you know just kind of have dialogue and talk about you know folks that that you know struggle with their own health and i think you know that really resonated with me because it's the struggle that i had when i got out of the military right you know i you know i the military puts you into a position where um you know you're you're successful because they put you in a structured program right you literally get fed your food you literally get put in the pt schedule you're running all the time and you know always active and um, then you get out and you don't have that structure anymore. And, you know, most of us, you know, that that either struggle with it previously or started to, you know, during or after, you know, we just shoot up and wait. And I was my obviously my heaviest that I've ever been in my entire life coming out of the military. And, um, you know, it was good to see the reaction that we had from the folks there because, you know, a lot of them had the same exact struggles that I had. Right. And, you know, getting them into a framework that allows them to uh, really try to you know, help them, you know, get control of their, their food, get control of their calories, get control of where they want to go. Um, those are all really big things. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a great time. I don't know. Uh, you, you did awesome, obviously. So what did you, what did you think? Yeah, no, I have, I have fun doing it. Um, I didn't really obviously know what to expect, but then when I got there, it was like, well, we do this on a weekly basis and it's exactly the same setup. There's just actually people watching us, us live. Um, but yeah, it was good to actually see some of the feedback from, from, from some of the people who are there who have been listening to the podcast here in the Discord server, who have been implementing the things that we've said and have had success on their own journey without, you know, having to overly interact with us or, you know, not in a specific coaching program or whatever. They're literally just taking the things that we're saying and going and doing them and they're having success in it. And it's good to sort of get that positive feedback from people. It shows that, you know, we're not just talking to ourselves and people are actually going and doing this stuff as well. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing I'm excited about is uh, the email that I shot you yesterday about uh, the new training program. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited to uh, to do my own first uh, training program. Obviously, heavily supervised and modified, um, you know, specifically for you. I'm even going to put um, Ben's patented tricep extensions in there. You know, like we <laughs> come up with these different movements. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, no one probably understands this inside joke, but. Uh, uh, ben uh, taught me that when he does the tricep extensions, he doesn't use just one rope; he uses two ropes to give you a much longer pull, so you can really focus on the isolation there. But the thing with Ben is, Ben is all about um, being slow with your movement. So, like, if you think you're going, you know, if you think you're going slow enough, you're not. You need to slow it down by tenfold uh, of the movement that you're doing. So, like, you know, you know, like with his tricep extensions, you know, he'll be. <laughs> 
you think there's like something wrong with the video if you're watching it <laughs> yeah video. yeah i'm like i mean wait did it freeze and it not, not download am i on am i back on a modem again but uh um no but obviously time under tension is is so important uh when it comes to this and making sure you have good form and and uh everything else that comes along with it and obviously muscle failure so you know i'm looking at uh you know what what you know ben and i have kind of been talking about is you know, I'm 39 years old and, uh, I'm, you know, obviously, uh, I just like to throw that back out there that I did a 500, five pound deadlift. Um, but you know, that's, that's obviously some amazing weight, but that's not really, you know, sustainable long-term, especially if I want to be less prone to injury. So, you know, my focus is going to be, you know, probably more reps, uh, and, and lesser weights, um, and going more towards muscle failure that way and progressive overload that way versus, um, you know, the kind of the power building, uh, method of things. So I'm going to kind of chill out on this super heavy lifting, uh, and start to go more towards, you know, bodybuilding and things of that effect. And there are, what's actually interesting about that is that it's two very different types of approaches, but they also have a lot of the same results. So uh, I was actually watching, uh, there's a guy named Jeff Nippard that, uh, went through the whole kind of like science research on all of this and everything. And there was a study that came out where most of the, um, People that focus more on on higher reps, less weight, um, and people that focused on more weight, less reps. So in the you know six to ten range of of reps uh, for for higher higher um, uh, higher reps, less weights, and then the the you know three rep range for super heavyweights um, experienced the same level of hypertrophy or muscle growth in both classes than than you know one or the other. The interesting part about that, though, was the people that did three sets, um, a lot, they had a much larger dropout rate, i.e. got injured more or, you know, weren't able to com- be compatible with it. So there's, you know, if you if you still go heavy, you still can grow your muscles, obviously. Um, but the volume that you have to push through from a progressive overload perspective starts to be a major issue when you start getting into that that high, uh, lower rep, higher weight range as well. So I'm just going to more of the, you know, build, grow my muscles look strong. I'll still be strong. Don't worry. Um, but, but maybe I'll never get to a 605 pound deadlift. Uh, and I'm okay with that. So <laughs> I think exactly, exactly what you said there. It's, it's looking at the total overall volume. So it's, you know, doing the power building program for me, give me a good insight to powerlifting. It's not a way that I have ever trained or wanted to train. I understand it. I never want to be a powerlifter, so I'm not actually going to train like that way long term. But it's exactly what you said. It's the total overall volume. So you said yesterday you did five sets of two reps on chest. So you did 10 total reps. Obviously, it was super heavy. Yeah. I would say that if I had programmed to you to do, you know, three sets of eight to 12, okay, yeah, you're going to have to do a lighter weight. But if you look at the total volume lifted, then it's going to be the same if not more across you know across the three sets and i think that that's an important point to note and as i said to you in in the email this morning the there's a lot of different types of sets that we can do that will sort of take you to a new place of muscle fatigue so there's like rest pause sets muscle rounds there's sets that i've been doing with helmet it's like drop the weight by 30 percent focus on the negative so all those things while it may not be you know either one or the other it's ways that we can continue to increase the volume without putting the overall stress of like a super heavy weight on the body. And I think it's just about being smart with it and programming that way versus just wanting to be able to lift a heavy weight to lift a heavy weight. And don't get me wrong, you know, lifting heavy things and throwing them down is is awesome. It's an amazing accomplishment when you, again, lift a 505 pound deadlift, uh, just to throw that out there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I recognize that, listen, you know, as, as I get older, that's not going to be doable. Um, 
you know, but, but what is doable is me continuing to grow my muscle mass and to look awesome and ripped with my t-shirt off and still be able to, you know, beat anybody in arm wrestle. So that's, uh, that's the most important thing there. So. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that's, that's a good point to know as well. You know, you need to know why you're doing it and what you're doing it for. If you're training because you want to become a yeah. powerlifter, then you should train like a powerlifter. If you don't, if that's not what you want to do, then don't train that way. Um, and it's just about understanding what you actually want to do and the implications that either training method or any training method is going to have in terms of the pros and the cons of it, because each will carry both. And you can also obviously balance it too. So, you know, there's, that's what the kind of program we're doing, which is called power building, which is a combination of, you know, instead of doing, you know, six low rep sets, you only do one heavy compound movement. you know, that, that is, you know, high sets, but low reps, you know, high heavy weights. And then the rest of it are supplemented with that, that, you know, six to 12 or six to 15 magic number of, of higher reps, uh, for, for muscle hypertrophy. So, you know, I, I still grew muscle and I still, you know, had muscle fatigue and things of that effect. But, you know, in, in this case, you know, when we start looking at the new program that I'm going on, it's just going to be purely focusing more on, on volume than it is going to be, you know, slapping around as much weight as possible. So I think that's going to be a fun one. And actually that's, that's, um, that's been all of our training programs up until this, um, has been okay. just that, right. You know, all the training programs that you, you put together, um, have really been focused on, you know, muscle growth and muscle hypertrophy and muscle fatigue. And all those it's always been in the, you know, eight to 15 range. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the, 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 you know, like the lat, lat raises and things like that are more in the, you know, 20 to 30 range, but you know, that's, that's obviously uh, good as well. So, you know, those are all good things I'm looking forward to kind of building out a little program with my equipment. So. I think that leads us in. There's a question that came from James in the client group. I actually just picked it up just before I clicked in here. Um, and he said about the relationship between building strength and building muscle mass. So from a building your V10 calorie engine perspective, would you recommend someone focus more on bodybuilding and muscle mass before strength specifically? Or should someone focus on foundational strength via something like powerlifting and then later do physique work to build mass? So I think we pretty much covered that in that question. If you want to input, I have yeah. an input as well. Well, I, I, think, you know, I, think, I think you hit on it, which is um, what is, what is your objectives, right? You know, you know, is your objectives to, you know, look big and be shredded and, you know, be awesome with your t-shirt on, or is your, your, your objectives to be strong, you know, and, and maybe not be look as big. And I think you don't look as big in those types of situations, just usually getting very different objectives. So, you know, for me, uh, I'd like to look, obviously look big and look shredded and all that good stuff and be kind of strong. I mean, you know, still be strong, but not like, you know, not like Thor. I don't plan on doing a thousand pound, you know, uh, you know, deadlift or whatever the hell he was doing. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, your strength definitely comes like when you're, when you're increasing muscle mass and you're increasing your, your progressive overload on, on your muscles, it, it you know, you're going to be stronger, right? Your muscles are going to be stronger in every way. Um, and so you are going to hit, you know, the strength muscles and the muscles that grow as well. So it's one of those things where, you know, it, I, I would personally, if you're, you know, it's again, based on goal, but I would personally be going more towards the, you know, higher rep ranges and bodybuilding components than I would anything else. Cause you're going to see the more drastic results with that versus something like, like powerlifting. Yeah, agree. And, you know, for me, it's a case of looking at the person and what their start point is. Do you know, if it's somebody who is 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 pounds overweight, I'm not going to get them to a place where they're going in and doing, you know, powerlifting and they're doing, you know, three sets of two reps because it's not going to give them what they need. And I think as well, a good point to note for that as well is, you know, you have to have, in my opinion, a certain level of strength to go in to 
powerlifting. Do you know what I mean I can't just walk off the street first day and just yeah. start powerlifting as if I'm going to be able to lift any sort of weight? So for me, what I like to focus on the st- at the start is, as I've said before, you know, a bit of a recomposition phase, which tends to be higher rep ranges, like probably but usually higher than that sort of eight to twelve and beyond. What that'll do is it'll allow us to burn calories while we're training, also be able to increase strength. And then it gives us somewhere to go that we're doing that more bodybuilding style of, you know, 8 to 12, 10 to 15, whatever it is. Um, the only time I would really start to put in like powerlifting style stuff is if you want to focus on getting strong in a certain type of movement. And I would do maybe, you know, two sets of three to six or one set of three to six and then a back off set of like 8 to 12 or something like that but I would never put someone straight into like a power building a powerlifting style program and I actually was on a call recently with a guy um, and he said that he just googled and he was doing a 5 by 5 program and I've heard a couple of people talk about doing this at the very start and yeah, while I understand the concept of it and while yes okay it's great to be going and doing something from a fat loss perspective it's probably not going to give you what you need do you know what I mean it's like you know you go in and you do 5 sets of five reps or whatever it is with big rest periods in between for me at the start if it's fat loss what you want to be focusing on is keeping your heart rate up building strength getting the reps in and just sort of like building a foundation from there so answer to james's question i would say go more higher reps to start with and you can still build your strength and if you really want to look at the sort of micro details of it you can start looking at the total overall volume which i think we will look at in your next program we'll monitor the total overall volume as we go yeah, I think my goal is going to be to definitely focus on increasing weights, you know, each week, um, you know, for that progressive overload aspect of things, which I think is going to be good. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to get my Excel Ninja Foo on to see if I can figure out how to do that, where it automatically do like just say like a five percent increment increase of volume per week based off of what I previously did. So like you would enter in the the you know the weight that you did, and then you know it would then match that base on sets and then times that by 5% into that next, next week. So, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about it. And, and I think, I think, uh, you hit on the head too. Like I know when I was doing, um, the, uh, the power building program with Nippard, uh, I, I definitely noticed that my workout routines were less sweaty. Um, you know, they were less intense, um, you know, cause there's more pauses in between them cause you're doing the heavier sets. Right. And, uh, you know, I'd kind of leave there like, well, I, and then I'd usually basically add like, you know, three or four different movements at the very end that were, you know, like burning out myself. So, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> I prefer doing more of the higher rep volume because I yeah. feel like, you know, I'm, I'm getting a much better workout for my body. Yeah. yeah, yeah. question, I guess it follows on to that from fuzzy logic. What are some progressive overload strategies if you don't have access to a commercial gym or a massive home gym? I have a couple of these because I had to do this at the start of the first lockdown um, and we had to sort of get creative with things. So I've given them this amount of these. Um, the first one that, and the one that probably saved the majority of people is having a decent set of resistance bands. If, for example, you have, say you have a barbell and some plates, but you've maxed out the plates um, in any movement you're doing. If you have some way of adding a resistance band to that, Number one, it totally changes the profile of the movement. Number two, it will seriously fuck you up in terms of the movement and the difference by just adding a resistance band. And not just with a a barbell. If you're doing something like a goblet squat with a kettlebell, if you have a resistance band between 
wrapped in the kettlebell and under your two feet. The way that that resistance band will make the exercise harder as you come up will completely change the will completely change the movement. So a decent set of resistance bands, understanding the resistance profile of each movement and how you can make it more difficult with the bands. The other thing would be tempo that I'm always a big fan of. You could play about with the tempo. So again, anybody that didn't have a lot of weight in at home with the first lockdown i would have really really got them to focus on their tempo so as we said before you know if you're doing a, a goblet squat again and it's you're doing one second down one second up if you change that tempo to three seconds on the way down a two second pause at the bottom two seconds on the way up and one second pause at the top it's three or four times the amount of work with the same amount of weight and it is another variable um so we've got resistance band we've got the tempo another one would be the rest period so you can make things more difficult by being slightly tighter on your rest period look at things like supersets um that you can again play about with sort of what your recovery is um sets reps so variables will be sets reps rest period tempo and resistance bands um there's there's definitely some some great home gym stuff that you can use that um, you know, can, can simulate, you know, resistance band training and things to that effect. Uh, there's one that's called the X3 bar that I really like. I actually use that for when I travel. It's a, uh, a metal platform and it has a bar that, um, is used for the bands and you use bands for resistance training for that. And you can do full body workouts. You can do squats, you can do deadlifts, you can do, um, you know, bicep curls, you can do tricep extensions, you know, overhead presses with it. Um, uh, it's basically a flexible, uh, platform that's relatively inexpensive in comparison to a home, uh, full home gym doesn't take up a lot of space. You can do it literally anywhere in your house. Um, and it has varying levels of, of different resistance bands that you can, you know, build up for, for hypertrophy. And I'll tell you the, when I do workouts with that thing, it shreds my, my, my body, like the, the resistance bands and it, it's just continual tension the entire time. Right. Cause I mean, you're going up and it's continual tension as you go down. It's just, they do a really good job at, at doing those. So I really like those. Um, I also like the, um, uh, the name's escaping me right now. I use them downstairs. A, a tier, a tier X bands. Um, the tier X bands are these little, uh, it's like a little mount that you drill into your wall, you know, find, obviously find a post and you definitely want to make sure you find a, uh, find a post. You don't want to be doing it without a post. Um, and, uh, they have these two ropes that come off of it and there are full body workouts for those basically using your body weight. So you can do, again, do full body workouts, uh, directly with TRS, you can do, you know, chest presses, you can do, you know, bicep uh, curls, you can do tricep extensions, you know, shoulder, uh, you know, movements, like it'll hit everything, even legs, you know, everything else um, for your body just by using um, the your own weight um, as a component of that. Um, so, you know, those are those are good ones. Um, even getting just some kettlebells um, can help out a lot with that. You know, if you don't have a lot of a lot of space, just a couple kettlebells that are certain certain weights can help out a lot. So there are definitely things that you can um, purchase that are more compact. There's also <clears throat> they make um, these uh, foldable um, racks that you can um, put into like your garage if you have the space. And so like they basically just completely fold flat, and then when you're ready to go, it pops out. And you have a full rack that you can do, you know, literally everything in and it's, everything's like self-compact. So there's a lot of really portable things that you can kind of put together as you go along. But the X3 bar for me um, is something that I always travel with now. Uh, you know, so if I'm flying to a specific location, I know I'm not going to be able to hit a gym. Um, I'll, I'll bring the X3 bar with me and it fits right into my my carry-on bag that I'm bringing in. Um, and uh, yeah, those are some of the key, key ones that I'll use. Yeah, I think, you know, with the resistance bands, I still use resistance bands in my normal training and you you've you know banded the hack squat and stuff like that so you know you can do a lot with resistance bands and another one that 
came to me there was, you know, if you're sort of maxing like the weight you're doing, look at doing the movements unilaterally. So if you're doing, for example, you know, RDLs or, you know, even a chest press, if you can do, if you can find a way that you can do that one arm and then the other, obviously, if you're not using both arms, then you can obviously drop the weight. So you have more to go with the weight on the way up. So there'd be sort of things that I would, I would look at. Um, another question here, this one actually was for last week that we missed from Dirty Nerdy. Two to three meals come from meal prep service, so tracking is super easy. Other meals at home are also fairly easy since I'm in control. The place where we get analysis of paralysis is sorts of restaurants and events. How much effort do you think we should put into accuracy of the numbers of those meals? Find myself ordering less or better than I would in the past, but still get hung up on trying to be perfect on the numbers when it's not in control of the food. I think, you know, at least for me, um, that sounds perfect. Um, you know, trying to be as, as precise with the the food as possible knowing that you might not be perfect um with that is i think it's perfectly fine i mean if you're if you're you know going to be in a two or three hundred calorie miss either minus or plus you know that isn't going to severely impact you in one day um at all right um you know and here's the thing like most of the uh, restaurants at least here in the united states when you go to their website they'll have the nutritional information on there or it'll actually be on the um or it'll actually be on the uh uh menu itself so if you can find the nutritional aspects, that's typically what I do. I, the first thing I do is I usually go to the website, see what I'm going to order and see if it has the calorie nutritional count next to it, just to kind of understand where I'm at. Um, or I'll, I'll, you know, in my, my fitness pal, you know, if you search for a specific restaurant, sometimes it'll have those in there, but you, again, you don't know how accurate those are going to be. Um, but I know most of the places that I go to, I, I stay pretty consistent. So if like I'm going to Chipotle, for example, you know, I've already built out all of that and I already have it pre-saved and I eat, just get the same thing every time. Um, so I know where my calories are at there, right? But if I'm going out to like, let's just say a restaurant and I get a filet, well, yeah, I know it's an eight ounce filet. So what's that typically going to be from a, you know, you know, micronutrient perspective, I don't necessarily need to go directly to that restaurant's eight ounce filet. I can kind of ballpark that eight ounce filet with asparagus, right? Uh, and butter, you know, so I can kind of add those types of things into there to kind of get, you know, somewhat of a decent or accurate count. That's, that's kind of how I handle my situation. Yeah, and I think you know there's two there's two sides of the coin here. It's number one, if you are eating out in a restaurant once a week, say for example you eat five meals a day, you know you've thirty five meals across the week. If you're in control of fully in control of thirty four out of those thirty five, and one is slightly off, it's not going to be the end of the world. Now, from my experience of dealing with you guys and accuracy and numbers and data, I understand that they want you want to have super specifics. So the way that I would look at it is. I would just literally try and break down the meal as much as possible. So try and understand what's in each part of the meal and enter those individually if I can. Um, I would also, you know, always put like 100 or 150 calories buffer on top because, you know, you never yeah. know what it's actually cooked in and things like that. And um, the other thing that I'd always recommend is banking calories up until you go to whatever the meal is just so that you're fully covered if you want to really really cover your back on that um what i do with you guys and with clients you know if it is a struggle to understand i'll get you to track it send me a screenshot of my of my fitness palette you've tracked and send me a photo of food what that does is it number one gives me a bit of an understanding as to what way you think about food but it means that you're actually doing it rather than you just send me a photo of the food and we go on right it's going to be x amount of calories with x y and z you'll actually do it and then you'll learn as you go it's never going to be something that you're fully 100 on and i even think and i may be wrong on this because it was a couple of years ago but for example if you and i started a food company and we wanted it to be on my fitness path they give like a 20 percent leeway 
either side of calories anyway. So, you know, it's not always 100% accurate anyway, um, but it's just about being as consistent and controlling as many variables as possible. But like I said, you know, if it's one meal out of the week, it's not going to, it's not going to make that much of a difference. Yeah. And I, and I do try to stick to as much as possible. Um, you know, if I'm going to door dash something uh, that I know the calorie contents for those as I order it, you know, if it's already posted, those types of things, same thing for, um, you know, meal prep services. I have meal prep service as well um, that I use and uh, it's easy to track the macros that way. But, uh, you know, just trying to stay as accurate as you possibly can with it is, is definitely the best solution there. Yeah. Another one from James, actually, while we're talking about calories, he said, um, my wife wants to lose weight, but sees calorie counting as a punishment or a burden, not as a positive tool for taking back control of her body. How do we, how do you help people who don't view it this lifestyle positively shift their thinking? I want you to deal with this one because I don't have this issue. So over to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, Aaron has the same, same issue too, right? Where, you know, counting calories is, is, is something that she's not willing to do at least, you know, for, for, for her. One, one thing I've noticed is that, you know, as I've started to count my calories and as I've started to eat healthier, that has also um, applied, you know, ha- has has made it to my family, my kids, you know, and, and my wife as well. So the, the meals we cook, uh, the types of food we eat are definitely a much better thing. And, and she's definitely more conscious on, on the things that she's eating as well. So even though she may not be counting calories, it has gradually um, started to to change how we eat from a nutritional aspect, which she's also noticed some some good and substantial um, you know, progress with that. Now, uh, one thing that she has started to do, which is is essentially counting calories, but not counting calories. Um, is she moved to, uh, 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 Weight Watchers, which, um, if if you haven't used Weight Watchers in a long time, it, it, they have essentially like a point system. And so everything you eat has specific points, which is obviously calories. Um, and so, you know, you can basically say, well, I'm allowed to eat 15 points today, which equates to 2000 calories or something. You know, I don't know the, the numbers, but I'm just making that up. Um, and, and so it's a little bit of an easier system. So like they know how many points they can have based off of eating it. So it's a overly simplified way of counting calories, which is is smart, you know, like for folks that don't want to research what they're eating, you can basically go into there. And, and she's had a lot of success with that and enjoys that quite a bit. Um, so, you know, there are things that you can do to kind of do that. But I think just, you know, through attrition and, and eating healthier and, you know, leveraging meal prep services like Aaron now gets the meal prep services delivered to her as well. Um, you know, we've done a much better job at, at eating right, you know, throughout the household um, than than before. So it just takes time. It just takes time. At, at first, there was no change, and then eventually, you know, um, you know, it started it started to kind of change a little bit more. Because you were walking about with a six pack in your shirt off all the time, and she was like, "Right, maybe maybe this is actually working. It's it's worthwhile looking into." And um, I think it was it was like a five that- and a half five and a half pack, but but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way that I would look at it is, you know. I would take control of the food in the house and, you know, maybe it's not specifically that, you know, the other person's counting the calories. It's in a way you're in more control of the food. Do you know what I mean? So if you do all the cooking in the household, you're more in control of like the portion size and things like that. Or what you could do is, you know, depend on sort of where they're at, make it overly simplified. So, you know, just start to cut out certain things. So whether it's processed food or whether it's, you know, eat out in a restaurant or takeaway food or whatever it is, start to cut out certain things and give better qualities of food and then make sure that you're focusing on the the main parts of the meal. And like you said, you know, there will always be resistance until 
that gets to the point where like, okay, right, I can see this actually working. And I remember this as well from, you know, whenever I used to work in the restaurant and I was going to Matabora and everybody thought you were fucking crazy. And then, you know, six months later, whenever I'm running about with a six pack, people are like, so what, what is it that you have in that Tupperware? Like, how do I, like, how do I know more about that? Like, I've been doing this for fucking six months now. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a, it's just a time thing. Yeah, I agree. It's it's uh, you know, the, I am the primary uh, cooker at my house as well. So you know, I'll cook you know steaks and chicken and things like that. And I, I primarily focus on whole foods, right? Um, you know, and so that that is a big difference. My kids love steaks. My kids love briskets. You know, everything else that goes along with it. So you know, I'll cook. I'll cook some meats. Cook some foods, and you know, throw some sides in there. I typically only cook a. Uh, you know, some veggies and I might throw some, you know, some starches in there, like, you know, um, you know, some sweet potatoes or things like that. And everybody enjoys it. So it's, it's been great. Yeah. 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 It's just doing it for the whole family instead. Um, yeah. While, while we're on the topic now, this is maybe a bit of a curveball question. If you had to, would you rather give up meat or chicken from a ginger and his life? Uh, talking about like, like beef and chicken. Yeah. I assume so. Yeah. Beef or chicken. We said meat and chicken, so I was just like, well, "That's what like, the question says." I'm meat, assuming, right? I'm assuming okay. beef. Okay, so if it was beef or chicken, gosh, um, you know, I, 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 I'd probably say from a from a taste perspective, I would prefer beef, but from a you know like white meats and you know not clogging your arteries and stuff like that, I'd probably say chicken. So I'd probably stick with chicken and get rid of beef if I if I had to, which would sad sadden me quite a bit but good, good news is i'm not doing that so you know <laughs> yeah i mean i would 100 percent give up chicken because truth be told i'm not even really a big fan of chicken um i've actually from i don't know if you've seen but the how me started doing my food and i get to have a steak every morning for my breakfast so i have steak and three eggs and oh, honestly man. like the first time i was like oh don't know see having that steak first thing in the morning like all day long i but, yeah, I would give up chicken without even a shadow of a doubt, and you straight off the bat. Yeah, st- steaks are pretty incredible. Um, you know, they're probably one of the best things that have ever been created. So, or <laughs> eaten, I guess. But uh, um, for you vegetarians out there, we apologize for this this discussion right now. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, the only reason I would say the the chicken aspect is it's so easy to prepare and it's so easy to get ready and to kind of like store. Like, I don't like eating a steak that's over a day old. Um, you know, chicken I can do. You know, it might be a little bit dry, but I can still do chicken. Um, so I don't know. I think I think if I had to ch- if I had to choose between the two, I would pick chicken over over beef or meat. Uh, thankfully, beef, we don't have meat. to choose though. Uh, like, thankfully, because yeah. So that... we don't have to do this. So no, 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 this no. is all hypothetical. So I'm gonna go eat a steak here at at lunch. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, there's uh, one thing I did change in my plan. So the I set the three D obviously, and there's one meal that was tuna and rice, and I, I just I've never been able to like tuna, like a tin of tuna. I I would literally rather eat this desk than eat a tin of tuna. Like I just can't. It's probably one of the only things that I wouldn't eat. I was like, right. I also Wait, have just a you're, t- saying, you're saying tuna, 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 yeah, tuna, yeah, yeah fish. Okay, tuna okay, fish. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I was like, right. I haven't obviously let him know, and I was like, I don't want to be that guy. He's like, oh, you know, don't want to eat this and whatever. And I was like, right, how can I do this? And I was like, I mean, I eat sushi, so I just went and got some tuna the gui and I just had it there and it was absolutely incredible. So looking at my meal plan and I think that this is funny because if I looked at the meal plan and somebody else looked at the meal plan, they see two totally different things. Do you know what I mean? Some people will just see a list of bland foods and they're like, Oh, I couldn't do that. But if you have a bit more understanding and care and enjoyment of food, you can sort of change things about. So I changed my shitty tuna and my meal to sushi and I just had loads of it there and it was absolutely fantastic. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I um, I don't, I don't mind tuna. I mean, I don't prefer tuna, but I do like things like salmon. The issue I ran into is I was a uh, a vegetarian slash pescatarian for like eight years, uh, where I'd only eat fish. Tell me that. Um, or but yeah, well, you know, hey, uh, and and I was probably the most. That, that was actually some of my most. Yeah, that was probably the most overweight that I've ever been in my entire life. By the way, um, so. You know, like I'd only eat uh, fish and you know, obviously pastas and stuff like that and vegetarian. You could obviously eat horrible on uh, being a vegetarian as well. And um, and so like I, you know, I basically ate salmon for eight years, uh, you know. And so like if I have a choice between like salmon, chicken, whatever, I'm usually not getting the salmon anymore. So, um, you know, I, I rarely get salmon. Now, a good made salmon, I'll still eat and it's still tasty. But, you know, if I have a choice between a steak and a salmon, I'm definitely going steak. So why were you pescatarian and vegetarian? So like it was this one like I was uh when I was going back to college I was uh this is when I was a chief security officer for for Diebold and they wanted me to get a degree um you know to to be a v- vice president of the company and so I went back to school um to get my degree and uh one of the the guys behind me worked at a, a meat processing plant and he kind of told me the stories there and like one day I'm like f that I am going cold turkey on meat and I never never I didn't eat meat again for eight years after that so. Um, you know, it was more of like, uh, I love animals. I really do. Um, and, uh, you know, but they also taste really good as well. So it's like just this internal struggle of conflict. Um, so like, so I did, I did for about eight years, try to said limit my, but I, I definitely made up for all the meat that I didn't eat in eight years. Then, I have absolutely surpassed. Yeah. <laughs> since then I've absolutely made up for that. So <laughs> what, uh, what was your first non fish meal? Like what was your first meal when you started to eat meat again? It's funny you mentioned that. Um, so uh, my buddy uh, owns a Chick Fil A, and uh, and I went to Chick Fil A and got a Chick Fil A. Uh, it was my first um, uh, meat that I had actually eaten uh, to it, and, and I remember it was day. It was the best Chick Fil A I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. It was it was the best chicken I've ever had in my entire life. Um, and then and then I had a steak afterwards, which was like so. It was weird. Like I kind of like built myself up to it, if that makes sense, because like. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do a little bit of chicken. And I tried that for a little while. And then I was like, all right, I'll try some like, you know, like something else. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll try a steak. And I tried a steak and it was like the best, the most amazing steak I've ever had in my life. You know, it was just like, it's like, okay, I don't know what I was doing for eight years. Eight you know? <laughs> <laughs> years is a long fucking time. It is a long time. And, and I'm yeah. talking like, I mean, no cheating. You know, like I didn't like happen to eat a steak halfway through. I mean, it was like straight up eight years of you know, being a, being a vegetarian. So, and, and, and I rarely, you know, when I, when I talk about being a vegetarian, yes, I would eat fish, but I didn't eat fish a lot, you know? So it was mostly, you know, plants and shit. And I, I don't know what I was I eating. I can't believe but, every uh, time that we have a conversation, there's something else that you haven't, like you can't just drop it yeah. in the middle of a podcast. Like, oh yeah, I was a vegetarian for eight years. What can I like thinking to a guy? Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is like, you know, this isn't too far, far away. Though. I mean, this is probably like, six years ago or you know or, or five years ago or so so yeah i definitely um, eat much more meat now so yes you know definitely saying. definitely definitely <laughs> um okay right so where are we at? i'm totally lost in the question <laughs> question uh okay so what physical indicators do you use that you need a day or more off from the gym versus need to push through this workout at all cost you're maybe not a good person. Good person to be asking this. But what? <laughs> I'm probably the wrong person to ask this. Uh, there's there's actually a, a great video on if you just look up Jeff Nippert and overtraining. Um, there's a great like video where he breaks on the science. 
Yeah, it's it's actually very difficult to overtrain. People use the term overtraining all the time um, for for you know, hey, you need to be careful because you know our muscles aren't going to be able to repair. You can put your body through a lot more than you think. Trust me. Um, and and so you know, you definitely want rest days for your body to recover, and that's actually what we call muscle growth day because that's when you're having the most amount of muscle growing. Um, so you know, for me, I do six days on, one day off. Um, is my my routine. And I've had zero issues with that. Granted, I pulled my back on 20 pounds again, but, uh, but, but that's a completely unique edge case there. But for me, for me, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, if you're experiencing pain, you know, or something's hurting you, you should definitely take it easy on those different specific muscle groups. Like, so for example, obviously my back is, is kind of killing me, but it's, it's radiating into my leg, my left leg. So I should probably not be doing, you know, like I did yesterday, uh, heavy deadlift sets at, you know, four or five pounds by, by five, you know, and five sets of that. So probably not, or eight sets of that. Sorry. There's probably not the best idea. Um, so, you know, what I would recommend is, is work around that. So do more upper body, you know, things that, that, you, you know, you're not going to have, you know, specific pain from while the other body part, re- um, recovers, but at the same time, you know, your body can really endure quite a bit, especially if you've given it, given it a day break, um, you know, in between. So if you've, you know, done upper body, for example, or you did, if you're doing push pull legs, you know, from a, a split perspective on that. Um, you know, if you're giving yourself a day for per muscle group, that's usually plenty of adequate time to start hitting that group again. So I'm a huge advocate of, of pushing through and, you know, trying as hard as you possibly can to, to push your body to, to get that, you know, progressive overload and growing those muscles. But at the end of the day, you definitely want to listen to your body. If you're, you know, hurting, if there's issues or, you know, you're just so sluggish that you won't be able to lift. There's no point of doing it. So, you know, you just, you just got to listen to your body. Yeah. I think you nailed it right at the end there. That was going to be my point. You know, if you're, if you're, you just feel exhausted, then that is probably where I would start to pull back because, you know, right now I'm standing here and I can feel every single fiber in my glutes, hamstrings, mm-hmm. adductor and quads from training yesterday. Would I go and train legs today? Probably not, but I know that it's just, you know, doms from yesterday's training. I'm not like overly exerted and, you know, I could go and train upper body or something like that today. No problem at all. But if you push yourself to a certain limit and now you're at the place where like you, you are overly exhausted or you're tired or you just don't have any energy and it's more of a sort of central nervous system issue that you need to take a day off. That's what I would look at. If it's just a case of your body sore for training, like even my upper body, I can feel my chest from training on Monday and things like that. But I know if I went to the gym right now and spent, 10 minutes, you know, stretching, warming up and things like that, then I could get into a session, no problem. So there's a difference between your muscle being sore and your body being exhausted or overly exerted. Um, but yeah, I'll link the, I'll link the overtraining video in the show notes. He was a bit, I watched it after the last time you mentioned it, he was a bit savage in it. Like he was just basically like, shut up and get home. <laughs> it's like, fair enough. <laughs> I, I like how you say I probably won't work legs today. So it probably won't yeah, work like today. So it's still, it's still up in there. It's still up in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad that I got that session in. Like, I actually am really enjoying the feeling of, of being sorry. And it's actually another point to note. You have been training with Helmy for two or three weeks now. And as I said before, you know, the way he trains is absolutely fucking ridiculous. But it sort of drives me on to, to do a bit more and, like, you know, giving 10%, 20%, 30% extra. And it's actually even funny. Yesterday, I was sat in the leg extension and I was like, right. What did I used to do this before I was training with Helmy? And it was like, you know, number 12 on the stack. And he was like, put it to 18. And I was like, geez, it's a bit of fucking increase. He was like, put it to 18. Actually, I will send you the video. I posted it on um, 
on Instagram yesterday about the color, the color, the color of my face went, but it's known that you can do it because there's somebody there pushing and that comes down to, you know, your body can do a lot yeah. more than, than it will allow it to, I guess. Um, there was another point 100%. here on, go ahead. No, I'm just saying hundred percent. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. You know, having somebody there to motivate you is like 10 times better than yourself. Right. Yeah. 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 Agree. So another part question here is what do you do for, or what do your warm ups consist of? And do you ever do cool downs? Again, I don't know if we're the sort of people down to this question, but go ahead. Um, I, I, I do try to do a little bit of warm-ups. Like, you know, for like five minutes, I'll try to get my heart up a little bit. Um, I usually just go to the basketball hoop and throw some basketballs and shoot some basketballs around, do layups, things like that. Just, you know, something to get my heart rate, just just getting up a little bit. Um, you know, you can do steps. You can do a little bit of a jog. You don't want the the cardio, though, to take, you know, anything away from from your weight training is the, the biggest aspect there, right? So I will do a little bit of, of warm-up. A little bit of stretching, um, most specifically around my IT bands, which are most my most culprit areas of being tight. Um, and uh, and then from there, I, I do my lift. I, I do not do any cool downs, though. Um, you know, I will I will stretch a little bit afterwards, but I really don't focus on anything else other than just a couple stretches, and then and then I'm pretty much out. Yeah, for me, my warm up consists of doing two or three reps at a lighter weight of whatever exercise I'm doing a, a couple of times until I build up to my working set, and that is is generally what I do. So for example, if I'm doing RDLs, I'll put, you know, a plate on either side, I'll do a set of two or three reps, I'll put another plate on either side, I'll do a set of two or three reps until I work up to what my working weight will be. Once I'm in a couple of sets into the a couple of exercises into the, the session, I'll not really do much more than that. And in terms of cool down, no, it's not something I've ever done. I go outside and try and catch my breath and think about yeah. what I've just had to <laughs> what I've just endured. Um, I'm not sure if that's the best way to approach it, but I mean, so far so good for me. Yeah, same here. I mean, I, I think I think stretching is important to loosen up the the muscles and things like that a bit. Um, and and I probably should spend more time doing that, you know. Um, but I do spend time stretching throughout the day. Um, you know, I do I do try to keep my flexibility there. I do um, uh, once a week go to a uh, there's a place where i do my cryotherapy cryogenic therapy stuff at where i go to a cryo chamber and freeze my butt off for three minutes in a minus 170 degree place they also have stretchers there that professional stretchers that will stretch you you know and and, and move your body and things like that so i do enjoy that uh, so i do try to keep up with mobility because you know obviously stretching and mobility go hand in hand uh with your muscles uh also helps reduce uh you know um uh, muscle injuries so you know I, I do try to get those in as much as i can i, I have a, a little roller it's like a you know, like a two bar roller that you can just roll in your legs and your, your quads. Like a and kind of stretches those those muscles well. out. Yeah. 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 Like a roll and, and, and it hurts. It hurts like hell, but uh, it, it works really well. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll usually do just a couple of minor stretches there before I, where I hit my workout, depending on what body parts I'm moving. But uh, that, that seems to be working for me. And then just, you know, quick five minute, you know, cardio workup just to get a little bit of heart rate going, a little bit of sweat. And then, you know, from there, I'm hitting, hitting the ground, uh, running from that side. Yeah. I think it depends on what type of training you do. Do you know what I mean? It depends what you're going in to do. It also depends if you have any problem areas, like you said, do you know what I mean? If you have something that, for example, you have a shoulder issue whenever you're training chest, then you should probably spend some time warming that up before you go in. It also depends on what time of the day it is. I find from experience with whenever I worked on the gym floor, people who were in first thing in the morning, who they'd literally just got up and went to the gym and it was like winter, so it was freezing outside. Obviously, your body is cold, so you need to do something to actually physically warm that up. Generally, by the time I get to the gym, I have my, I always train in a jumper to start with, so I have my jumper on. The car's obviously warm. Whenever I go to the gym, the gym's warm. So 
my body is warm so i never have that like actually trying to actually get my body temperature up um but yeah if you have number one depending on what your training is if you have something that's super specific to you in terms of like an injury or an issue then yeah warm up around it um, and then obviously time of day as well we play a part yep yep i think that's, yep. I think that's really important and, and when i'm doing cardio by the way i will do stretching before and after that as well too so it's not just i do cardio monday wednesday friday um i will stretch a little bit beforehand not as much and then afterwards i'm definitely stretching yeah, I don't do cardio, yep. so I can't relate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, question from the same guy because I know what type of training he's doing at the minute. So, what pre workout would you suggest recommend for endurance training? Example, swimming, cycling, or running. Now, I have a recommendation on this just from a conversation I had in the supplement shop, and then I did a bit of research on it this morning. A thing that I would definitely recommend from an endurance perspective would be citrulline mallet. Um, and the reason that you would put that in is it delays muscle fatigue. So if you need to something that you need to work a little bit longer, that's definitely something that I would have either pre-training or in your intro workout shake. And then other things that I would look at would be L-glutamine as a recovery, because it's not just necessarily the what you're having during your training, but also what you're doing to actually recover from it as well. Um, and I don't have any knowledge in this at all, but again, I saw it um, through NI Supplements, the story they posted yesterday, and they talked about microdosing beta alanine. So obviously, we all know at this stage that I don't like beta alanine in terms of like the hit that it gives you in certain pre-workouts. I know Dave absolutely loves it, and he, his ears perked up there whenever, whenever he heard it. But they talk about the same as creatine. If you... If you um, if you microdose it throughout the day and have it every single day and you're not getting that spike of it just before you do your training, the end saturate your system with it. It's a good sort of like endurance thing as well. Um, I haven't done any research on it, but I will later on. It's just something I picked up on their, their story earlier on. Yes. Uh, citrulline mallet is, is L citrulline mixed with, um, malic acid, I think. Right. And that's, um, it, it has, it has a number of studies around, you know, muscle fatigue and, and lack thereof, or being able to enhance muscle fatigue over time. So that's always a good one. As Ben had mentioned, beta alanine, niacin is another one, um, as well as, uh, caffeine, uh, can also have be a performance enhancement as well. Some people like that. Some people don't, some people have reactions to it. So just depends on, on what you're looking for from that, from a pre-workout perspective. Um, I typically prefer to do cardio or endurance training, uh, on a fasted stomach, um, there are some benefits uh, to that um, uh, where if you look at like what they consider uh, level three training, which is, you know, high intensity type type training. And then I'm saying I'm not saying high intensity interval training, but more high intensity training where you know, your heart rate is, you know, 70 to 80 percent of your, your max. Um, you know, there, there are studies out there that show um, there's like, two basic things that have to happen from a fat loss perspective. Your body has to basically say okay, you can take this fat. And then the fat also has to be transported for use for energy. Um, if you're on a fasted stomach, uh, it's anywhere between 30 to 40 minutes before that process kicks in where your body will release the fat and your fat actually, or in the fat's actually transported for, for energy expenditure. Whereas if you're in a non-fasted state, uh, it's about an hour and a half, uh, for that to actually occur. So if your interest is fat burning, um, you know, uh, working out on a fasted stomach definitely has better impact on fat burning um, than not. Um, from a performance training perspective, I also find that I'm much more locked in, uh, much more aware, and I can, um, and I, I definitely perform better on a fasted stomach than I do not. Yeah. Another one to note, just if it is, you know, if it's a slightly different type of training, think of like endurance. And like I said, I know the sort of training that he's doing um, would be some sort of 
like simple carb that you can have in a drink. So like cystic dextrin or Vitargo or something like that, you can have either you have it in your pre-workout or you have it sort of throughout. So you have that sort of constant supply of energy as you're going through through your training. I know you yep. use that. And, and, and ones that are doing like, ma- well, what, well, ones that are doing like marathons and things like that. I mean, obviously you need to have, you know, calories to be able to burn and stuff like that. You know, for, for when I left, um, you know, I will typically take pre-workout beforehand, but I will have a big meal usually an hour to an hour and a half before my my actual weightlifting training uh, to ensure that I have pro- appropriate nutrients and protein as I'm going through. And then I do intra workout shakes as well um, that are more uh, structured on the essential amino acid side of the house. And then I do a post-workout, you know, meal, um, typically a protein shake and then some sort of food afterwards. So it's kind of where I break everything down. Cool. Um, another question specifically for you, what was the biggest impact that you didn't expect? I assume he means in either managing your training, nutrition, this journey or working with me. Um, I would say probably the, the number one biggest thing for me is, is the amount of energy that I have, um, as well as, as my confidence, those two things, you know, skyrocketed to, to different levels, uh, with me. Now I never thought I would be at a position where, you know, I'm at today, uh, you know, what I'm able to lift, what I'm able to accomplish, how much I'm able to commit to uh, my training programs. But for me, I think the the confidence uh, is one and the energy levels is is number two. I, I really feel like a completely different person now than what I was, you know, a year and some change ago. Uh, it really has been very impactful for me um, that I didn't really expect. You know, I figured, hey, I would lose weight um, and I'd be skinny again and I'd be able to do that. But I never thought I'd be able to have the muscles that I have, have the energy that I have perform in a way where I'm competing with, you know, younger adults and I'm, you know, smoking everybody and people are like, Hey, you're a strong, you know, competitor or worker, you know, I work, you know, person that works out. So, you know, like, like I never thought I'd be in that type of position uh, in my life. So I'd say that's probably some of the byproducts that I have uh, with that, but also just more enjoyment in life. I would say, you know, like I have more energy to do things with my kids, more energy to roughhouse and play around or take him on and play basketball or, you just be a dad. I mean, that's that's the the, the things that I think uh, had the biggest impact for me. Yeah, I think the confidence thing is something I can relate to. You know, obviously, whenever I started training as well, it's not something that I was like, oh, I'm going to start training because I want to be more confident. But you just sort of generally have yeah. a, a different outlook, a different mindset, a different mood, a different like you're able to handle things that are thrown at you, you know, even being able to do that that talk and stuff on Saturday, you know, although it's the same sort of setup as this, like being able to do that and have a conversation and you actually be able to talk about stuff and just have confidence to do it or confidence to have a conversation, whatever it is. It's not something I ever thought that that I would be able to do. And that probably for me would yeah. have been the, the thing that I didn't expect off the back with. And I guess becoming a coach, I never really thought that, you know, I'm going to start this because of that. But here we are six years, five years later. Yeah, it's- years later. Congratulations, man. It's awesome. And uh, the amount of people you've helped is, is crazy as well. It's like this this journey you go on to, right? I feel like I'm uh, just starting my journey, right? You know, like I can't wait till I'm five years in and, uh, you know, deadlifting 7,000 pounds. Just kidding. Um, you know, but, uh, you know. <laughs> no, we need to sack. We need to, get, we need to step away from the deadlift and we need to I know, have a I know, clear I know. training structure plan to how many bags of groceries that we're going to be able to carry. Like that's what's right. the, that's what's right. the that's best right. technique? Like how right. do you load yourself yeah. up? I saw he used to put into the chat throughout the week and he was standing there with all the grocery bags. I'm like, right, we need to get on this. Like this needs to be an actual event. Cause that's so really what I find what with about. grocery bags. Well, what I find with grocery bags that, that has been very successful with me is that, you know, I can load. So each, 
each finger can carry like five to six bags per finger. So, you know, you, you load them up in your fingers and then you, you basically then wrap them up in your hands and then you create a fist, right? So now you have them all in the fist and you can use your entire weight to be able to carry them. So, I mean, I will carry 30 to 35 bags by myself. No it. issue. I want to see know? it. With, I want to see it. With, by the way, two, two, you know, two, uh, 12 packs of, of, of pop in one shoulder and then, you know, like uh, a, a gallon of milk in the other. And I can literally get there the entire time. I mean, and it's, and my kids are like, this is awesome, dad. You know, this is awesome. I'm like, yes, I know. It is, it is awesome. It, well, is, we it need, is definitely we need awesome. To, so we need to work out what the rules are. So is it, you know, amount of bags carried as well as total distance that they're carried for? Do you know what I mean? Like we're going to need to have a setup station that, you know, the bags are loaded. We need That's to right. know whether, you know, yeah. are we allowed to use chalk or any sort of things like that? Or is it just, are we lifting it raw? <laughs> and then is it, you know, the distance that we need to cover? You know, are we going to be side by side? What ways are going to work? There's got to be some sort of point system because, like, what what if what if I do fifty bags, but I can only go you know a hundred meters or something, you know, like, but then somebody else goes two hundred meters, but they're only carrying fifteen bags. So there needs to be a point system for for I think total composition weight of the bags. And, and is there going to be weight classes a, a as well? Do you know what I mean? Is there going to be like you know we're in the two twenty pounds plus? Is it you know you. you Everybody here is hearing the the early stages of the International Olympics, uh, you know, uh, grocery bag carrying contest. So, you know, <laughs> this will this will be a thing. And like I said, you know, I, I genuinely, you know, when I do make it over there, we will actually do it. Whether it's a bit of fun or whether it's a serious competition, no matter what, I'm going to win the trophy, no matter oh. what it takes. No, no, you're not. You're definitely not. But uh, you know, and then you need to think about, I, I will, I, you know, you need to think about you know, paper bags versus plastic bags that have handles. Do you know what I mean? Like, where no, does it's, gotta it all... be, it's gotta be plastic all the way. It's gotta be plastic. It's like, good for the environment. You can't, you can... it's not, it's not, but it's better for carrying. <laughs> so that's the thing. So you, re, you can reuse the bags, right? You can reuse the bags. Yeah. Okay. 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 So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think that's, that's it funny. from a question perspective. Anything you want to add? No, I think it was a good episode. Uh, yeah, I love the Q and A. We're going to have our first in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about this one next week. Yeah. And uh, we're doing a special episode with Chris as well, right? Yep. 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 So next week, we're going to have Chris yep. in a special episode. The following week, we're going to have Matt, which I think is going to be a very funny. Uh, they're both actually going to be very funny episodes um, in their own right, but I'm looking forward to, to having another person on. Um, and then I can start to look at, at getting some more people on, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we've done some good good job uh, up in this point, getting some guests in and different perspectives is, is always a great thing. And again, you know, check us out at uh, discord.gg slash, you know, uh, hacking your health. Um, uh, or check us out on, on Twitter, we hack health or the we hack health has hashtag all over the place. And obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already checking out our podcast. So thank you. Um, but, uh, you know, another another great episode in the bag. Yeah, and please share it because, I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail, but, you know, to get us to a certain level of being able to bring other guests on, we need to have a certain amount of people actually listening, downloading, playing the show. So if you can share it with someone, it means that it will allow us to then give back more in a sense of getting other people on. So that would be great. Share it, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, whatever you want to do. Yeah, share us around. Let us, let, you know, uh, spread the word. And uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, let other folks know about it. 